Let's again open our Bibles this evening to the epistle of James to the churches. James, we're going to begin our reading at verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 13, and we're going to read through the first 10 verses of chapter 4. And it's especially those first 10 verses of chapter 4 that are our text. Highlighting, of course, first of all, that first verse in chapter 4. We'll talk about that in a second. So chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So far the reading of God's inspired and word. 
The Apostle James is dealing in this book of his with genuine faith contrasted to counterfeit faith. And earlier in chapter 3, he deals with practical holiness by the way you conduct your speech, your tongue. And now he goes from the sins of the tongue to the sins in the church, the outward activity of what lies within the heart. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. In chapter 3, verse 13, James writes, Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. Chapter 3, verse 17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. And then chapter 3, verse 18, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And then comes the question, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Beloved, my topic is war in the church. Notice, first of all, these sins in the church are addressed. Second of all, that they are sharply rebuked. And then thirdly, the call to repentance. Whence, from whence, come wars and fightings among you? The church is to be a place of rest, of peace, a beautiful communion together with our God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Conflict in the church is not God's will or design for his church. Because of his very person. Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jerusalem, which is another name for the church, has that last part in it which means the city of peace. That's what the church should be. Jesus commands, John 13 Verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, 
that ye love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. Jesus' high priestly prayer, John 17, verse 21, that they may all be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And how beautiful we have a picture of the church dwelling together communally. We read in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the price of it sold. They brought the price to the church so that together they could share that wealth and live together as one. But beloved, conflict in the church is also as old as the apostolic church. For even as they were selling their possessions in order to give it to the church, in Acts chapter 5, the very next chapter, you got Ananias and Sapphira selling also their land or possessions and lying, giving part of it to the church. They didn't have to give anything. It wasn't commanded. But they acted like they were giving everything. Why? So that they would have the acclaim of their fellow church members. Conflict. And God struck them dead. Paul has to write to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Conflicts in the church. And James here now addresses conflicts in the congregations he's writing to. Whence, from whence come wars and fightings among you? The conflicts there are not those out there in the world where there is hatred and bitterness because of sin in the heart. And he's not talking about those who call themselves Christian nations being at war. One thinks of the Catholics and the Protestants that were at war for such a long time in Ireland. He's not talking about that. But he's talking about conflicts within the church herself between brother and brother, between brother and sister. Conflicts in marriages. Conflicts in the home. Conflicts in the families. Conflicts with your fellow saints. James asks this question not because... He doesn't know what the answer is, and he wants us to try to give it. But he's using here a teaching model, a pedagogical question asked in order that he may then give the answer to them. 
From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? And if we would ask our children when they are fighting together, quite often they say, I didn't start it, he started it, she started it. And as Adam said about his wife, when there's marriage problems, it's the wife you gave to me. And so we have spouses that would ask the question, why is there conflict and why is there fighting in your marriage? Well, it's her. I'd be okay if she was different, or him. Or we might say, why can't you get along with so-and-so in the church? Well, you know what kind of a person they are. How disagreeable, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yes, we would answer that question of James. From whence come wars and fightings among you? with all kinds of excuses, just like Adam and Eve did. It's always someone else's fault. But we're not allowed to answer that. We can't evade the question. There is conflict many times in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, in the churches. We have seen that, haven't we? We have seen that in these last years. Whether the schism that took place, or whether even be the question of how do we solve the problem or try to get at the problem of abuse in the church. Different positions taken, for example, what synod has to address do we use a third party, a neutral party, or not? There's differences of opinion. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Notice he's talking here to the church, not to the outside world. And he uses two different words. The first war, which is trans, the first noun that is translated wars or conflicts. That word describes the overall and large-scale battle. There's many different scrimmages, but there is one long battle taking place. From whence come those conflicts or those wars? And then the second word is fightings. That describes the smaller skirmishes that take place in the church. What are we talking about here when we're talking about war or conflict in the church? We are not talking about that kind of internal conflict that sometimes is necessary. Conflict that's necessary because of heresy. The word for conflict or wars in our text, we, from that Greek word, we have the word that we call polemics. What is polemics? Pastors are trained in polemics. That is, taking and defending the Bible over against false teachers that creep in. 
And that's what I talked about this morning, isn't it? Different theories of the atonement that do not hit the nail on the head. They are heresy because what is the atonement? It was Christ Jesus bearing the wrath of God, penal, substitutionary atonement or satisfaction. So there are those necessary conflicts in the church where we root out false teachers. But that conflict always has to be speaking the truth in love, doesn't it? We are going to try to win over the opponent, not ridicule them or call them names. We speak the truth in love. And it's not because we want to be more important than them. It's because we love God, we love his word, we love God's saints, and we don't want those false teachings creeping into the church. That's not what is, he's talking about here, wars and fightings. But rather it is sinful saints hurting and doing battle with one another. Conflict. Because they don't do things exactly the same way you do it. Because they're rather vocal or maybe they are very popular or maybe they have a a position in the church that you would like to have. Those sins are further described as saints running down one another with gossip. We didn't read those two verses, but if you go to James 4 verses 11 and 12, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest one another? Oh, the tongue. We're back at it again, aren't we? Oh, the tongue. Slandering another person. Gossiping about them. Maybe what you're saying about that person is absolutely true. But do they, does everyone else need to hear it? Is it going to be profitable to speak about it? Oh, if only we could hold up our tongue and not backbite. You condemn him whom God justifies. We are not judges of one another. We have to speak lovingly to one another. Or again, in verse 13 and following of this chapter, it's sinful boasting of what each of the saints is planning to do. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth. For ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. What he's talking about is the person who's bragging, I did this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and it's I, I, I. I, I, I. 
ambition. Independence, self-sufficient. It's like the boast of Peter. Even if all the other disciples forsake thee, I will never leave thee. Wars and fightings. And what is, from whence, comes the question. What is the cause and the origin of those sins? Well, ultimately, the origin of those sins is hell itself. James 3, verse 15. This wisdom, I, 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 I'm going to make myself better. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Internal strife in the church of Jesus Christ is not from above, but devilish. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. And the devil would not have that kind of influence if it were not for the sinful nature that is still within us as redeemed saints, redeemed sinners. The origin of these sins is the lusts that are within us. The lusts, he says, for pleasure, and the word pleasure there is the one that we get our word hedonism is from. The pleasures of this world. We're going to act like the world. Try to get ourselves ahead like the world. Make boasts like the world. Saints seeking themselves. Instead of seeking the welfare of their fellow brother and sister. Do you need examples of that? Husbands seeking their own pleasures, what they selfishly want for themselves instead of the welfare of their wife or vice versa. Or boys and girls in the home, why is there sometimes fighting between you and your brother? I, you see the little one playing with that truck and all of a sudden you want that little truck to play with. Or he's, she's playing with my doll, etc. Parents seeking their own pleasures, their time off or whatever, abandoning the children, not paying close attention to the children, not having time to spend with their children. As far as the church. Never, I don't think, is there a time when it's a good time for a building project. Everyone has their own idea what that addition on the church should look like or the seating should look like or the remodeling is going to look like. And often there's contention, bitterness, anger. I want it this way. I think it should be this way. Self-centered, self-seeking, self-love, lusting for prominence. Lusting for power. Lusting for possessions. For a dissatisfied heart is never at ease, is it? 
And so the war that is going on within between our sinful desires and our heart that has been redeemed by Christ Jesus is at war and quite often unless we manage that war within ourselves it comes out of our mouth and we are at war with one another in the church. Galatians 5 verse 15 tells us that the natural end of all that kind of fighting in the church is that we devour and consume each other. We read there, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. And over against that, then we are called to walk in the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He talks about some of those sins, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, and I've also told you in the time past, that they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And over against that, of course, if you know, James 5 is the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the roots of that open warfare in the church. The root is our sinful minds and our sinful hearts and our sinful wills where we want what we think is best, where we want to be prominent and we want others to look up to us. It's the desire to please and advance ourselves. And the underlying trouble in a church torn by wars and fighting is pride. The pride of members. I could think of one of our churches. Always there was fighting and bickering going on in that church. It was a small church. But finally, classes and synod advised them to close because they had made themselves so odious in that community. Who would want to go and become a member of that church when they're always attacking each other, biting each other, devouring each other? And that's why we are told here in James 4, verse 6, that God resists the proud. And the fighters within the church are told to humble themselves. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And there verse, therefore, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So envy. Oh, in the human heart. Where Christ reigns, there's still that sinful nature yet reigning also. And we need to reign in that sinful nature. Envy, jealousy, bitterness. Humble yourself. And the root of that warfare and conflict in the church 
is also that those lusting individuals not only want to put down the other person, but they desire to kill and to desire to have what they have. Envy, bitterness, hatred within the heart. That is murder, isn't it? We want that person removed out of our way so that we can have that prominent spot. And what does all that striving, what does all that envying of what others are or have done or are doing get us? Chapter 4, verse 2. Ye lust, and ye have not. Ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say, what you pray for. Is it the prayer for God's glory and his church, the gathering of that church, the building of that church, the preserving of that church, or is it prayers I? I, I am recognized. I have a leading position. I get my way how the building is going to be built. What does our striving get us? And the answer is nothing. Three times we read, they have not, they cannot obtain, they have not. Do you see the nature from whence comes these wars and fightings among you? The natural heart of a person is never content, is always jealous, always full of envy. Isn't that exactly what was wrong with Adam and Eve? They were not content to be creatures who could walk and talk with God. No, they wanted to be equal with God. Isn't that the conflict already in heaven of the devil and one-third of his angels? Unholy restlessness. Yes, those lusts within us are like a troubled sea whose waves carry up the dirt from underneath. When we were in the Philippines and we would take a boat across to one of the islands, Corregidor Island, and coming back, you would see the waves coming from the city. And what did you see from Manila? Waves after waves carrying the plastic bags and junks and other stuff in the water. It was like a sea full of dirt. Unwelcome. And that's what takes place in the church. If we do not control that sinful man within us, but we give him seed for the devil to work. For the devil always wants to divide the church. He wants to divide marriages. He wants to divide families, homes, churches, denominations. When we were in Ghana for a summer, it was hot. 
how we look forward to going down to the ocean to take a dip. First time running in, wonderful, nice and cold, how relaxing. But after coming out and going to go back in again, you start looking at the beach. And what kind of things were, was the water carrying up on the beach? Fringes and needles, condoms, all kinds of stuff. So you said, oh, this is awful. And the devil would like to bring up that kind of junk in the church that a person would say, who really needs the church? If there's all the time this envy and bitterness and jealousy and fighting amongst the saints. Waves bringing up mire and dirt. In Isaiah chapter 57, we read in verse 19, I create the fruit of lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Oh, beloved, we have to recognize the source of wars and conflicts in the church. Envying and strife, jealousy, the lust of the flesh. What terrible things. For this is Christ's church. Christ church, where God is pleased to dwell with his saints, young and old. That's the sins in the church. And we have to ask ourselves, do we see those seeds in ourselves that Satan is pleased to feed? Pride, envy, strife. Notice we in the second place how sharply that sin is rebuked. James writes in James 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? James is writing here to those whom he earlier has called brethren, and now he calls them adulteresses and adulterers. And James is calling that them that in accordance with the great evil that they have made themselves guilty of in the church. Because those who are allowing those seeds of envy and strife and jealousy and bitterness and hate to grow within themselves make themselves friends of the world. They are looking at how the world deals with one another and now they start dealing with it that way themselves. 
the name-calling that politicians engage in. And yes, our last pastor, our last president was very good at calling lots of people different names. Is it much different than in the church of Jesus Christ? Just pick up your iPads and look at some of the iPods that are put out or magazines that are written. And all kinds of names are hurled at ministers rather than trying to set forth what they believe, attacks. That's what the world does. And now it takes place in the church as the church is ripped apart, name-calling. takes place among saints within the same fellowship. Well, you know so-and-so, and we want to bring out slander against that person. Or if they're not around, back, bite them in their backs. What a terrible evil. Adulterers and adulteresses, it's not talking now about a sexual kind of adultery physically, but rather those people that are filled with that bitterness and envy and jealousy and strife within themselves show that they are not friends of God, but they are friends of Satan. They are giving free reign to Satan in their lives to bring destruction to Christ's church. What terrible sin. Those members that give themselves up to that are learning because they are becoming more and more friendly with the world. They act like the world. They do it out there. Why can't we do it in the church also? Those kind of members, James is saying, they are unfaithful. They are double-minded You can't be both a friend of God and a friend of Satan. You can't be a friend of the church and also be a friend of the world. And why is that? It's because of the antithesis. If one is going to say yes to God of necessity, they have to say no to the world and the way the world does things. We can expect those conflicts. We can expect those wars in the world because they don't have regenerated hearts. But what about you? What about me? You and I have Christ's spirit dwelling within us. And we can fight those sins within ourselves. How do we fight it? With the word of God open before us. That's what brings peace. And we can fight it by prayers to God. Oh God, deliver me from myself. Deliver me from that envious spirit that I find at times myself. Or the bitterness. Or the will to strive with someone. The pride I want to be prominent in the church. Saints adopting the world standards and using the world's methods of killing and fighting and warring against one another. 
A lot of it has to do with an insatiable desire for pleasure now. That pleasure means hedonism, what the world has. So two rhetorical questions are asked in verse 5. Hearken, my my beloved brethren. There he uses that other term, doesn't he? Verse 4, he talks about adulterers and adulteresses, doesn't he? Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? That refers to the one who is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Does the spirit that God gives to his church long enviously? Is that envy the work of the Holy Spirit? And those two questions are asked rhetorically to make James' audience conscious. Conscious of two things. Number one, they are walking in disobedience to the scriptures. And number two, they are walking in rebellion against the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Because all of us have that sinful nature. We better recognize it. Envy. Strife. Bitterness. Pride. Where does it come from? Is it okay? Can I slander? Can I gossip against my neighbor? Can I put him down so that I make myself look a little bit better? That's walking against and in disobedience to God's word, the scriptures. And it is walking in rebellion against the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. The Spirit does not produce envy, but gives more grace. Grace that we will grow in humility so that we will resist pride and envy within. Submit yourselves to God. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Who are you? Who am I? We're sinners, every one of us. Sinners saved only by God's grace. God in his love has chosen us and given us to Jesus Christ to be new creatures. New creatures that resist then the evil impulses of our sinful nature and resist that Satan's work with that seeds of sin within us. What a sharp rebuke. Those that divide the church, whether it be pastors seeking a position for themselves, whether it be elders or deacons, whether it be husbands or wives or fellow saints, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so we have, beloved, a call. 
to repentance. That's verses 7 through 10. And how beautiful. The beautiful that the Spirit, through James, not only severely rebukes, but also gives correction. And parents, that's where we should reflect our Father in heaven. He not only rebukes, but he also gives promises. He gives correction. He leads us. And when we correct our children, yes, they will see our anger that they have disobeyed. May we also speak afterwards the gospel to them. That God forgives us. And God, by his spirit, corrects us. That's pleasing in God's sight. What is the way out? There's only one way. Flee that sin. Flee that sin in sorrow for that sin. When you see that envious prick within yourself. When you start feeling bitter toward another member in the church. When you're jealous of what they have or what they're doing and you don't have. Recognize that sin for what it is. See to the devil and sorrow of it. And seek for God and his grace. Submit to God, verse 7. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Jesus, in his temptations there in the wilderness, by the word of God, yet hence Satan, for the word of God says this, and the word of God says this, You and I need God's word in our minds and in our hearts. We need to begin our day with devotions so that when these temptations come to us with the word of God, we can resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, up to this point, the devil was having his way with those members in that church. There was conflict in many of those different churches. Those saints came out of heathendom. That's the way they used to do things. Things are different in the church. Many of them didn't have that kind of strength to resist because they weren't in submission to God. Notice the connection there. Submit yourselves therefore to God, and submitting ourselves to God, then we are able to resist the devil, and he will flee from him. They were not humble. Maybe they thought, I can take care of this by myself. What is the way for the good of the church in our sweet communion and peace with God? The way of salvation is of drawing nigh to God. That's a matter of the heart, isn't it? And yes, notice those things. There's something necessary for us to do. There's a good work for us to do. Draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God in his word. Draw nigh to God in your prayers. Recognize your sins and your need of his grace. 
Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That is the order of that text. In communion with God, there is strength to fight sin. In communion with God, there is safety and there is blessedness so that we become a blessing to one another and not rivals. It is an act of the whole person. Body and soul begins in the heart. Humbling ourselves before God, drawing near to God, and then the activities of the tongue and of the body also will be in correspondence. And that is how you know you have genuine faith rather than counterfeit faith where you say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this and didn't I do that? And he says, I never knew you. One is to be sorrowful for their sin. Verse 9, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. How often we feel good about ourselves, we're happy because we're prominent or others say nice things to us. And over against that, God's word says, sorrow, weep. For your sins. Weep that you hurt that other member of the church by your sharp tongue. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Cleansing our heart by bringing our sins to the Lord, one cleanses his hands also, his outward behavior and walk. And that will bring it into conflict and wars and fightings in the church. That's our duty. It is something that God fulfills in us, but it still is our duty. Humble yourself. Rid yourself of those seeds of sin and envy and jealousy. What a spiritual activity that you and I as God's children are called to do, not only once, but constantly, continually, day after day, as long as we're on this sorry earth. For we have only a progressive sanctification, a beginning of the new obedience. Draw nigh to God, resist the devil, mourn over your sins, strengthen yourself in God and his grace. For God gives grace to the humble, we read. And God brings down the proud. You and I who prostrate ourselves before the cross of Jesus Christ cannot then get ourselves up and start murdering and having envy and fighting with one another. What a terrible thing. The devil decide, wants to divide us, divide the church, divide members from one another, break up marriages, homes. Haven't we seen that in the schism? Families not able to get together any, any longer. Husbands and wives driven apart. Churches broken. Whence comes wars and fightings in the church 
from within sinful hearts. Go to God in prayer. Oh Lord, give me grace to fight the sin within so that I can be a brother and you can be a sister to one another in the church and God is glorified. Wasn't that the early church? When the 3,000 were saved and then later on another 5,000 were saved, they possessed everything in common and there was beautiful fellowship there. Paul writes to young Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Again, 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, recovering themselves out of the snare of the devil that had upon them. Whether it be a pastor, an elder, a deacon, Sunday school teacher, go through the different positions in the church. Wherever God has called you, you are a precious member of the one body of Jesus Christ. And Christ says, this is my commandment to you, that ye love one another. Amen. Father in heaven, how we need this word of the Holy Spirit to help us to combat the sins that are within us, besetting sins. Give us grace, O Lord, for we know our need and our weakness. Work mightily in us by thy Spirit, humbling us so that we love and hold in esteem those that are around us. In Jesus' name and for thy glory, amen. Let's turn in our Psalter to number 204.